1: Well. Oh shit! I keep no. Shut up.
0: No, no, they didn't kill it.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Smashing Security, episode two hundred and seventy-five. Jail for Bing and mental health apps may not be good for you. With Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, episode 275. My name's Graham Cluley, And I'm Carol Terrio. And this week, Carol, we're joined by a returning guest, someone who's been on the show several times before. It's Dr. Jessica Barker. Hello, Jess.
2: Hello, hello. Thank you for having me back. I'm like a bad penny.
1: Oh, I love it. I love it that you're back. Have you anything to share with us? Anything
0: amazing you want to tell our audience? Have you been anywhere wonderful? Seen anything terrific?
2: Since we last spoke, I've been back to Dubai and Abu Dhabi, got to see the end of the Dubai Expo, which was great and amazing. And then I've also started horse riding again. Oh, la la. That's amazing. Random little hobby that I've added um, that I hadn't done for years went horse riding in the Abu Dhabi desert, and that inspired me to come home and start horse riding lessons, which I haven't had for decades, but it's great fun.
0: Horse riding in the desert. It sounds absolutely horrific. You poor thing. What a horrible experience. No, what a horrible experience that must have been.
1: One struggles on. Okay. Yeah, we're going to stop him right there and thank this week's sponsors, Collide, Rumble and Good Access. It's their support to help us give you this show for free.
0: Now, coming up on today's show, Graham, what do you got? I'm going to be looking at how companies point the finger at suspected hackers.
1: Okay, okay, mysterious. What about you, Jess? I will be talking about malware as a service sold via telegram. And I will be sharing the privacy lowdown on some popular mental health apps. Plus, we have a great featured interview with Chris Kirsch. He is the co-founder and CEO of Rumble.run. All this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security.
0: Now, chums, chums, have you ever felt unlistened to in the workplace?
2: I'm sorry, I'm sorry, did you say something? Did I? Something? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Have you ever felt like you're chicken little, worn in the company of impending doom and disaster, no one taking you seriously? Yes,
1: definitely. I have worked at places where I'm like, I really think you guys need to do this. I really think this is important. And they're like, yes, 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 it's on the list.
0: We shouldn't do this IT vigilante thing. We shouldn't dress him <laughs> up in orange latex, produce a series of videos. Um, did you warn something dreadful was going to happen, then discover to you your horror that you'd been thrown into a Chinese jail for seven years? Had that ever <laughs> happened to you? No. No. no, that okay. no, I not. can
2: remember. No. Not that
0: you can remember. Well, they might have wiped your mind, might they? That might have been part of the torture <laughs> process. It's always possible. I have to ask myself all the time, what might have happened yesterday that I've had wiped in a sort of men in black scenario from my brain? It's
1: going to work in my advantage, actually. <laughs> hmm.
0: Let me tell you the story of a man, a man called Han Bing. He is a database administrator. right. And he worked for a real estate company in China called Lianjia, formerly known as Homelink. Okay. And in mm-hmm. his job, he, uh, he had some security responsibilities. He had admin rights and so forth. And he discovered what he believed were some problems with the security, the computer security at his company. And he wanted to bring them to the attention of senior members of the firm.
1: Right, so he's like, "Ooh, this looks a bit not good for us. Let me just right. let me just get tip it off." Yeah,
0: yeah, we, we need to fix this. There's a problem mm-hmm. here, it needs or something needs to be patched or reconfigured, or we need to throw some budget at the wall and see if it sticks.
1: Kind of what you want ideal employees to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds great. Yeah, it sounds good. Like I said, have you ever been in that situation where you've kind of gone, "Uh, guys, I, th- I think we've got a problem, Houston. I <laughs> think, <laughs> I think," and everyone's like, Shh, shush, shush, shush. Will you stop?" distracting us from what we really want to focus on with all your, oh, there's a security problem. There's some sort of- Yes, you are trying to
1: design the sales service to be (laughs) slicker. Please stop telling us about vulnerabilities.
0: Yeah, vulnerability with the landing page, or did you realize this page you've created allows you to send spam text messages to anyone in the world for free or something (laughs) like that? Not that that's ever happened at any companies we've ever worked at, Carol. Something like that, which we've warned about and maybe people aren't that interested in dealing with. I cannot confirm or deny.
1: And then the <laughs>
2: worst happens and they say, why didn't anyone tell us? Shouldn't you have known right. about this?" Well? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And maybe you've already spoken to your boss and your boss is like, shh, shh, shh. You know, come on, come on, come on, come on. Don't worry. No no one's going to exploit that. And you think, well, I'm going to go to the very top. I'm going to usurp my boss. I'm going to waltz around him. I'm going to go straight to the chiefs. I'm going to explain the problem to them. They're going to reward me with riches. They're going to be so grateful that I've brought this to their attention. And maybe my boss will get the boot because he isn't taking this problem seriously. But you feel strongly about it. <laughs>
1: Yes, exactly. Yep.
0: exactly. It's exactly that scenario, isn't it?
1: Can I just bring even a bit further? I yes. suspect many people like me, after announcing, and I would always do it in writing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then I would print with the metadata of the email that I sent <laughs> <laughs> and keep a copy of said email just in case they erased the whole server or my emails from the server saying, uh, and no, you never did tell us.
0: And then, in case they break into your home and burn your printed copy, you have it tattooed on your left buttock. That's right. Well, we talked about tattooing stuff like this. The ultimate backup, in fact. There it is, on your, on your backside.
2: I feel this was a conversation the last episode that I joined you on. Your tattoo artists are busy.
0: <laughs> well, Oxford, you know. So, Han Bing, Han Bing, with another database administrator who he got on board, he presented his evidence to the bosses, and he waited for their response. You can imagine the scene, the flip charts, the PowerPoint slides, the rolled-up sleeves, the expectance of backslaps, congratulations, the opening of champagne, instant pay rises all round. We're going to fix the problem. You are a hero. You okay. saved the company. If that's that what his, they're imagining.
1: If that's what they're imagining, they're sorely mistaken. Like even half that is, you know, just like, thanks, we'll look into it, is me, the best one should be able to hope for, or my experience anyway.
0: Well, well,
2: maybe they've not been through this before.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe right, not. Right, maybe okay. they're a little naive. Well, it, it didn't quite go down how they planned because people had their noses seriously put out of joint by what Han Bing said. Because he was insulting someone else's code? Well, the thing was, there were arguments between him and the other database administrators. Maybe they thought it made it look like they hadn't been on the ball. Mm -hmm. Maybe they had been lax in the security. They had maybe introduced problems or not dealt with issues. And here was this whistleblower kicking up a stink, making them look bad. And, of course, the boss as well, he's been sort of undermined by hand being going to the big bosses. Oh, my
1: God. They didn't kill him, did they? Well... Oh shit. Oh, keep- no, shut up.
0: No, no, they didn't kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Good, great. But I prefer Graham. your story. I mean we could Ooh. we could say he got killed at that point, if you like.
1: No, no, well, no, no, no. no. Oh, there was
0: something happened to him which was even worse than death. <laughs> <laughs> he had his office relocated. He was moved.
1: Oh, <laughs> Wait, d- near yeah. the toilets? That's the worst. Probably
0: near the toilets, <laughs> maybe on the back of a seven three seven. There was some cockroach class. I don't know. But they, they, moved, they moved his office and he, he felt sad. He thought, no, no one likes me at this company more. I, I'm undervalued. I try to do something amazing and here yeah. I am sitting near the bugs. And according to the Chinese reports, the reports which come out of China, which have been translated with the help of online services for me to understand, he became passive and sluggish. Often late and early, and there was absenteeism. So he wasn't quite as enthusiastic as he used to be. Yeah. Because he felt like, oh, well, no no one cares about me, little old me.
1: Okay, so he's, he's, he's disgruntled.
0: disgruntled. He is disgruntled. Either he had completely ridiculous, out-of-proportion thoughts as to how well he would be rewarded. <laughs> no. Or maybe he was just a bit of a grumpy old misanthrope in the first place. Bit of a git.
2: Why not both? Maybe both.
0: Possibly both. Quite possibly both. <laughs> often, Often does combine, doesn't it? You feel like you, the people who are grumpiest feel like they deserve the most. That's so true.
1: Yeah. And it's the way you communicate these things. Like, you know, if you're saying, Captain, I found a problem and George did it, that's going to cause a bit of fracas in the group. Right, <laughs> but right. if, if but if you're kind of like, hey, I think we can tighten our security even further.
2: Yeah. It yeah. sounds like going for a full on presentation. <laughs> and yeah. And finger pointing. It may not have been the way to go.
0: So what happened next is where the company's problems really started. Because on June the 4th, 2018, someone using admin privileges and a root account accessed financial information on the servers at this company, the And they deleted the data. In fact, they didn't just delete the data, they wiped it. They overwrote it multiple times with garbage to try to prevent the data from being recovered.
1: So all their financial data, all their stuff, all their accounts, gone? All gone.
0: Large parts of their operations were impacted. Were
1: they in debt? Just out of interest. I'm just, my conspiracy hat's on. (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, just checking.
0: Tens of thousands of employees went without salaries for an extended period of time. And it cost them tens of thousands of dollars to restore the data and get things back up and running again. But they, they think there were much more costs than that. And so the company initiated an investigation, and they thought, well, who could possibly have accessed this root account and these used these admin privileges to access this database? <laughs> and by a process of elimination... <laughs> <laughs> well, they came down to a list of the five database administrators <laughs> they who they employed. <laughs> uh-huh. And they were, of course, Han Bing, Gary Google, Peter Pornhub, Arthur Alta <laughs> and Dudley Dogpile. Dudley Dogpile? You don't remember Dogpile? No. Oh, Carol how old are you? Dogpile was a search engine. It still is.
2: For real? Is it? This is a new one to me.
0: Not a very popular one. <laughs> yes.
1: Is it shit? <laughs> is that the whole point?
0: It was a bit. <laughs> it was a bit like Ask Jeeves, but um, with dogs as their logo instead. I've never even heard of it. There you go. Not the best name. <laughs> I know, but you know how crazy is Google or Bing and or mm. you know all the rest of them. So they asked these five people, they said, can you hand over your laptops? We want to take a look at them. And four of them said, sure, no problem, go ahead. Forensically examine as much as you like, but hand bing. He went, whoa, 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 no, hang on, he said. He said, I've got some private data on my laptop. And if anyone wants my password, it has to be the police. Um, I'm not gonna help you. Um, You know, I can enter my password myself and I'll be present while you're doing any checks, but I'm not going to hand this over.
1: Okay, I think that's a fair response. Whether mm-hmm. he's guilty or not guilty, right? I know people, Graham, you know people as well, that there's mm. no way they'd hand their passwords over. No. No.
2: Yeah, and you can understand his reluctance, certainly. Yeah, And he's saying no, he, he's happy for them to check it. He just wants to be there.
0: Maybe he'll do the typing. Maybe he'll delete any suspicious photos. <laughs> well, it turns out, The company's investigators, they already knew they weren't actually interested in anything on the laptops. They say that that it was quite likely that whoever had made the unauthorized access wouldn't actually have left any traces or any breadcrumbs on their own PCs. They only wanted to see how each suspect would react. And four of them had no problems. And the fifth was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why would you want to do that? So Peter Seeky Pornhub, speaking. he got away with it. Yeah. So the investigators, meanwhile, had cross-referenced server logs, MAC addresses, IP addresses. They looked at CCTV footage, times when things were accessed.
1: Of course. I mean, all their financial data is gone. It's not like, oh, someone said that the CEO likes yogurt when he hates it. It's a
0: big no, deal. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
2: And done in such a way that they can't get it back and all that disruption and the morale the people not receiving their salaries. It must have caused a whole host of problems. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And one of the clues they said they found was that Bing's MacBook laptop had the host name Yggdrasil, the giant tree of Norse mythology. And on one of the uh, server logs they had, a computer with that name had connected to their server.
1: Mm, so they didn't need to go in at all. They just knew by computer name.
0: They, ju- they, they kind of just knew by some of that information exactly. So Han Bing has now been sentenced, it's finally gone to court, and he has been sentenced to seven years in prison and told to pay compensation of $30,000, or the equivalent of, to his former employer as well. All because he wanted security fixed, and for some reason, and what is this reason? Some reason he chose to to sort of, well, I'll show them, I'll prove that it's a big problem, and did this to try and get their attention.
2: It's the mix, isn't it, of, A, I'll prove them wrong and myself right, but also if he felt, as you said, carol if he felt disgruntled, if he felt pushed to one mm-hmm. side and he'd been ignored, and maybe there was other stuff, you know, maybe there was a pattern of these. And so he just thought he'd stick it to them, I guess, and he obviously thought he was cleverer than all of them and he'd get away with it.
1: Yep. And this is why Graham and I and Smashing Security are launching Give Your Data Administrator a Hug Day today. So just to make sure they don't get disgruntled <laughs> so this doesn't
0: happen to you. Enjoy. I should stress that it's give your database administrator a hug day today. Yesterday was give your database administrator a personal deodorant day. So as long as you <laughs> as long as you follow That's all of so the- lame. What? Jeez. I'm just When's saying, the last time you've even hung out with a data administrator? When, when it's not just them, Carol, when, when did you last give somebody a hug?
1: When's the last time I put order on? No. Well,
0: <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> Jess, over to you. What have you got for us this week?
2: Well, I have been reading research from the dark web monitoring company, Cyble, who have published a report about the Eternity Project malware. Have you read this? No,
1: I haven't.
2: So, they share a lot of findings about this malware and the Tor site that is used to share this malware, to sell this malware. But they include findings that this malware as a service is also being sold via Telegram.
1: Telegram comes up a lot with these little dodgy Mm. groups, doesn't it?
2: Doesn't it? It seems to be coming up more and more over kind of the last year. Mm. This particular family of malware the eternity project includes stealers miners ransomware and ddos bots and this telegram channel that the researchers at cible have found apparently has about 500 subscribers so not a huge amount but substantial enough Hmm. and interestingly it employs a bot that allows the purchaser to compile the code themselves so they can take it off the shelf They can just buy the malware as is, or they can have the support of this Telegram bot that enables them to customize it too. So we've got script kiddies
1: who are getting a little bit of support to customize their malware to be just exactly how they want it. Okay, forgive me because I'm not as technically... Hey, is you guys but so you'd be on telegram you'd be like i'm looking for this i'm looking for this and then you would go through tor to a special website and buy certain bits and bobs and create your malware that type of thing or is it all free or
2: so you buy it they sell it on a annual subscription model okay so you can basically buy the malware and then get the code and be able to to customize it with the support of a Telegram bot, I think being able to tell you different things that you can do and how to do it, as I understand it. Is
1: it expensive to do this? Or
2: It is not. Um, it's not the cheapest out there, but it is as little as $90 for a miner and $490 for ransomware. So ransomware is the most expensive.
0: It is pretty cheap when compared to the potential rewards for using right. this code. Yeah, And that's that's the worry, of course, is that these sort of services give the tools to absolutely anyone with a criminal bent so that yeah. they can begin to exploit it and make potentially a large amount of money.
1: And I just want to say when Jessica says miners, she does mean crypto miners, not uh, kids. Not
0: Arthur Scargill.
1: Good <laughs> point. <laughs> <laughs> yes, crypto <laughs> miner.
0: I'm, I'm keeping it topical. Um. <laughs>
1: So I wonder what Telegram says about this. Like they've always, as far as I know, said, look, we don't monitor the chats. We don't know what people are using for. We don't have logs. We are not responsible. We're just letting people connect.
2: Yeah. I haven't seen if they've responded to this. Um, It's pretty Mm. new. This news coming out. Mm. I don't think they have. And they don't seem to respond to much of this stuff individually. They seem to have this kind of statement, as you say, That, you know, hey, this is just happening on Telegram, but we're not responsible for it. And I
0: think probably what they would say would be that the onus is on people who stumble across these groups to report them so they can be shut down. But of course, they can pop up within seconds elsewhere. So there's a lot of this going on on Telegram. And some of these groups have thousands and thousands of people participating yeah. on them, sharing information, um, including sometimes journalists. Uh, you know, there's journalists who are subscribed to Telegram channels where they find out what the latest ransomware attacks yeah, are going to be. that's very true. There's probably companies out there who are also subscribed to some of these channels just to get a heads up as to whether they might be the next <laughs> target.
2: This is certainly not the first time that we have seen Telegram being used by cyber criminals for all sorts of different things as well, not just this selling malware but being used for cryptocurrency scams, job recruitment scams that I think we've spoken about before on permission security, sharing mm. of of nudes, you know, unauthorized um, without people's permission. And BlackBerry recently released a report about remote access trojan being sold really really cheaply, $20. Um And that was also using a Telegram channel, kind of a support with nearly 3,000 subscribers. So this seems to be growing more and more as a prop learner.
0: So if you bought that, all you would need to do is just email, for instance, somebody with a link pointing to that executable, telling them it's something like an update or something. And then you would have remote control of their computer and be able to spy on what they were up to. So you, you can imagine a lot of People out there might be tempted to use a remote access Trojan to snoop on, a, you know, maybe a potential partner or an ex-partner. Um, all kinds of ghastliness there, isn't it? This this malware you're talking about, though, the Eternity Project malware, it's a bit of a stupid name, isn't it? Eternity <laughs> oh, Project.
1: Oh, oh look, Graham's, Graham's bitching again. No,
0: well, I just think it's just a little bit full of itself, isn't it? It doesn't call itself something like Lumpy Trousers. I just think sometimes... <laughs> Do you call yourself something like Lumpy <laughs> Trousers? turns <laughs> I have lumps, maybe not in the right place. Uh, <laughs> or like sugar lumps. But it, it's just... I, I just think sometimes they're a little bit full of themselves and maybe they need a little bit more sense of humour. It just sounds Just peronious. like you, yeah. You're it not sounds full of yourself. It sounds you're pompous. Not, yeah, yeah, you're and not, pompous. not pompous. I'm not
2: pompous. I'm never pompous, am I? No. I it of sounds like a Marvel film or like some kind yes. of trilogy.
0: <laughs> the Eternity Project, malware it must be 14-year-old, surely, with a name like that. Carol. what have you got for us this week?
1: I have something super cheery.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: We're talking mental health.
0: Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it's Mental Health Awareness Month. Hang on. It's, it's Hug a Database Administrator Day. Oh, I just called that. That's a TM. Oh, okay. That's oh, well, That isn't yeah. official. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: Is it too close to pandemic, post-pandemic, pandemics, Yes, of course it bloody is. Exactly. Maybe yes. just elbow bump or
0: something. Yeah, elbow bump, yeah. So it's Mental Health Awareness Month.
1: Yeah, yeah. And Graham, so how are you feeling? Are you going a bit mental?
0: Uh, I don't think the phrase a bit mental is terribly politically correct. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, I I feel all right. Not too bad at the moment. Thank you very oh, much for asking. That's very good. But there are... Many, many people out there who are not feeling
1: a-okay or fine at the moment, right. right? And there are countless reasons why that might be. There's inflation, divisive politics, misinformation, you know, poisoned earth, Will Smith losing his cool, Depp versus Heard. I mean, all these dramas.
0: What the hell? Will Smith hitting someone and Amber Heard <laughs> and Johnny Depp having a Barney at the court. These you're 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 putting these up alongside climate change and <laughs> oh I see okay all right
1: yes yes absolutely all, right. all yeah. these dramas all these dramas have no doubt played a very significant part in making us feel either depressed or lonely <laughs> or anxious or annoyed yeah. or frustrated all the things that <sighs> maybe a therapist could help us okay. unpack.
0: Yes, yes, I suppose so, maybe.
1: When the pandemic hit, uh, the need for therapy skyrocketed for probably mostly obvious reasons, right? Mm. And the irony was that therapists weren't allowed to see their patients, because remember lockdown? Mm. So, online video, text, and phone sessions slowly normalized. Mm. And, and those of us that didn't have pr- a therapist pre-pandemic mm-hmm. found ourselves suddenly in need. We were all out of luck, right? Therapists were booked solid, taking no new patients.
0: So, oh, right, I suppose so. Yeah,
1: say you're sitting there and you need a therapist, right, for your lumpy trouser problem, Graham,
0: <laughs> right, and you can't find one. I don't think that's a therapy issue, but anyway, well, carry on. Uh,
1: um, what do you do? <laughs> Could all be in your head, right? Maybe you just think, May- oh, maybe,
0: maybe, yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, so what do you do? what do you do? You can't find a therapist you're, you've gone through the phone book you know you've looked around neighborhood everyone's like, sorry, totally booked.
0: what do you do? Are you going to suggest because I remember a few weeks ago you were talking about getting yourself a virtual boyfriend via an app which was AI controlled are you talking about an AI therapist like an some close box? close really? I, I know the way your mind works now so <laughs> You may have heard
1: <laughs> ads or promos, right, for online therapy, mm-hmm. right, where therapists are vetted and whatever your problem, they will align you with a professional who can help. So these online app services, for example, is there any name actually that comes up when you think about it? Like I'm a big pod listener, right? So I there's two that come up in my head immediately of these kind of online services that have been being touted recently so for
0: the last few years. Oh, I have heard one advertised, but I can't remember the name. Is it BetterHelp? Oh, yes. BetterHelp?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: BetterHelp yeah. better is one. I'm going to talk about BetterHelp. BetterHelp,
1: is it? Right. Oh, okay. Right. And you may have heard of Talkspace as well. All right. Yeah. That's another one that I hear all the time. So you go to Talkspace website and it says, feeling better starts with a single message. That's their strapline <laughs> at the moment on their homepage. And they kind of say, look, we need to do a brief assessment. So basically answer a few questions about your preferences, pick a provider. We'll give you a selected, uh, you know, we'll give you a list of recommendations. You go ahead and pick which one sounds good for you and just start your therapy and
0: begin the journey towards a happier you. And this will be online therapy with a real living therapist.
1: Yes. So someone they've vetted. It's like a Zoom call or something. Yeah, it's like a Zoom call. Maybe you can get text messages, right? You can leave phone, answer your phone, kind of voicemail type Mm -hmm. things. Yeah, I think I've seen these, like some on Instagram where you kind of exchange messages and stuff. Yep. Exactly. So Talkspace and BetterHelp are both known to have done a very huge advertising campaign during the pandemic Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. people, there was basically a mental health crisis Mm -hmm. and, you know, they can step in and be helpful. So BetterHelp. Have the on their homepage. It's like you deserve to be happy, you know, and answer a few questions to find a therapist who fits your needs and preferences. So same idea, but they then make a big deal about tapping into the largest network of licensed, professional, board certified providers.
2: Okay, so good professional, yeah, certified. Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Both sites look slick, right? And there's full of quotes from people saying, oh, my God, my life's so much better now that I've done better help. So this is a good
0: news story. This is a good news story. right? Excellent.
1: Exactly.
0: Oh, well, thanks very much.
1: And, you know, they're very professional websites because, you know, like if you think about it, right, some mental health issues are basically something you don't want to, (laughs) you know, you want to keep it entre-new, right? It's a private thing. Like, if I go to a therapist with an uncontrollable, embarrassing tick, for example, I don't want people around me to know about it. Like Graham, for example, who'll just mock me every time he sees me.
2: Yeah, it's (sighs) sensitive. It's potentially really sensitive stuff that people don't just want to talk to anyone about. They want exactly professional experience
0: certified. That was a bit mean. Who? Jessica's mean to you? I think you were just a bit mean to me there. Oh, really? about, I think, I think you've hurt me there.
1: Get a therapist. I might know an app that can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: well, maybe you want to listen a bit more before oh, you advertise this. Okay. Way. Oh no. Um, so as this is a security podcast, Graham, to your point, let's bring in Mozilla, the power behind mm-hmm. privacy not included. And this is a site devoted to assessing products, services uh, that are online connected and they give them a privacy rating. Sometimes that's a good privacy rating and sometimes it's a poo-poo rating.
0: So Mozilla, they're the people who make Firefox. And mm-hmm. Thunderbird. And, and this little like kind
1: of project they do uh, have a team of, I think they must have lawyers in there because they read all the small print, they look at the settings, they do some research online, they reach out to the company for a response. And just last week, they released their findings on a slew of mental health apps. Okay. And it's not scary at all if you don't care a jot about privacy. <laughs> okay. So. Um, I'm going to, so you know how I said I knew about Talkspace and BetterHelp. So I had those already listed mm-hmm. before I went and read all the, the stuff that they'd done. And mm-hmm. both of them are listed as two of the six worst offenders oh. in Mozilla's list. The
2: two that have been advertising so much through the pandemic.
1: Yes. Oh. Trying to build their, you know, the number of people that use their services. So I'm going to list out like this is Carol's Cliff Notes, if you want, of uh, Mozilla's privacy not included Cliff Notes on Talkspace. <laughs> um, and you can, obviously all the links are in the show notes, so you can go read to your heart's content. But Talkspace says they collect a lot of personal information on users, including mm-hmm. name, email address phone number, gender, relationship status, employer, geolocation information, transcripts, and more. And they say they can use this personal information for marketing, tailored advertising, and research purposes. Oh, Now, there are no promises in the small print not to sell non-medical information. So, they are HIPAA compliant, they say, right? So, they're not going to sell the medical stuff. But the non-medical stuff, unless you live in California or in the European or UK uh, regions, you have GDPR protecting you, um, your information may be used.
0: Wow. So, you're not only paying them for the therapy… They're also going to take your data, or at least they have the option taking your data and selling it to someone else for money as well. <laughs> because your subscription isn't enough for them.
1: Because you're, yes. Talkspace also says, quote, your written authorization will be required for uses and disclosures of psychotherapy notes. And uses and disclosures of your protected health information for marketing, which basically says they might give you a, hey, blah, 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 do you allow us to do this? Consent, right? And how many people just click without looking? Especially
2: when people are potentially very vulnerable, like trying to get therapy, trying to get help. They've turned to this solution and maybe they're not in the right frame of
1: mind to be. 100%, 100%. I couldn't agree with you more on that.
0: If you go for in-person therapy to somewhere and you go and lie on the couch yep. and all the rest of it, and uh, uh, do the therapists then say, oh, thank you very much for telling me about all of your problems. It's going to be very useful. I'm going to be able to use this. Do you mind if I sell it to I'm Coca-Cola? I'm going to <laughs> s- uh... yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell this to Grazia magazine. I've got a lovely uh, little column I'm going to write about people with weird problems. It's just another way to supplement my income.
1: Oh, great. That'll be $400,
0: sure, please. Sure, of
1: course. <laughs> So the New York Times reported in 2020 that former employees and therapists at Talkspace uh, told them that anonymized conversations between medical professionals and their clients were regularly reviewed by the company so they could mine them for info. So they're basically saying that idea that you and your therapist are all alone, no one's listening, may not be all it is. Um and then Talkspace say in their privacy policy, if you do want us to share your personal data or feel uncomfortable with the way we use your information in order to deliver our services, please do not use your services. And Missoula's privacy, not included, say, we think that's a pretty good advice. So oh, right. so
0: if you don't like it, sling your hook, yeah. is what they're saying. Yeah. Wow. yeah just, well, well, that is true. I mean, that is ultimately the best advice, isn't it, is not to use it, I agree. It would It would be nice if they…
1: Well, yeah, wasn't that on their homepage? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But well, they could have had that on big letters there to say, "By the way, you don't want to use us."
1: Great work, Mozilla! Though I know I'm, it's such a great site. Seriously, I'm mm-hmm. going to recommend that all listeners and you too bookmark that page because you know you mm-hmm. sometimes like, oh, we need to buy a new something. You know, something smart, for example, for the home. Um, mm-hmm. You can just go look and see if they've already reviewed it, and if not, you can actually give oh. it to them and recommend that they go review it oh, for you. Yeah. So it's a very cool site. So again, link in the show notes. Do, you know, do check it out, guys. It's really good. BetterHelp wasn't much better. They say they collect, use, and store communications between users and counselors on their platform. They also collect a whole lot of personal information from responses on their intake questionnaire, like are you feeling depressed or anxious or are you struggling to maintain relationships, to things like name, age, email address, and phone number. And Mozilla say as well that they can use this data they collect on you for personalization, product offerings relevant to your individual interests, and targeted ads. So, like, if you had an embarrassing problem, like, say you were a shoe <gasps> fetishist or a foot fetishist. Oh, no. Right? What would your ads mm-hmm. be? For, like, Shoes and feet. <laughs> for nail polish? <laughs>
0: Yeah, but you'd love it, wouldn't you? You'd be happy if you're a foot fetishist to get loads of shoes and feet yeah, Well, It doesn't up.
1: help your drama and your therapy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe you're getting therapy because you can't get enough pictures of shoes and feet. And this, they're actually doing you a favour. Maybe you're thinking, well, it's just hard to get hold of n- new material. And
1: even The Economist again shared a report of one user that said, when I first joined BetterHelp, I started to see targeted ads with words that I had used on the app to describe my personal experiences. Wow. Like it's, right?
2: Wow. No, you're not feeling good. You may Mm -hmm. be feeling a bit paranoid. Mm -hmm. You're in this session. You're talking about your deepest hurts and sensitivities. And then you see words that you have
0: used being. I'm just imagining. um, Yeah. I'm just imagining getting some therapy. And suddenly I've got ads for a trombone, a terrapin and half a pound of lard appearing. (laughs) You know, because I've shared my most intimate thoughts. And we're, we're, well, it's a horrendous thing, isn't it?
2: When you put it like that, Graham, oh, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, I would really like it if more products and services, if I'm paying for them, I could have some confidence Is that is how they're making their money.
1: I know, and we've said that before in the show. We've kind of said that, right? Free is not free.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to pay for something, but you then learn to be suspicious if something's free. But when they start charging you, and they're also mining you for information or exploiting it in some fashion, then that really feels quite underhand. Because how are you going to spot that unless you read the terms and conditions and all the privacy policies which we know I mean, Jen, a cult
1: writer, she's Mozilla's privacy-not-included lead, right? She says, quote, The vast majority Mm. of mental health apps are exceptionally creepy. Mm. They track, share, and capitalize on users' most intimate personal thoughts, feelings like moods, mental state, biometric data turns out researching mental health apps is not good for your mental health as it reveals how negligent and craven these companies can be with our most intimate personal information, unquote. Like that's scathing, right? Yeah. Yeah, that that is
2: you can feel the anger of that statement. And yeah, it's you sort of think as well, I'm obviously naive, but you would think, okay, it's a company making a mental health app. They're making all these statements about how they want people to be happier and healthier. So to then know that behind the scenes they and have made that decision, yep to to mm. actually at least open the door on
1: misusing data in that way just feels so sad, doesn't it? Yes, and what's really gross about it is they. I have seen many ads from these two particular companies talk about how much cheaper it is to use these services rather than going to a therapist in their office or having a one-on-one with a you know therapist that you find on your mm. own. And the other problem is Silicon Valley investors are pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into these apps. Insurance companies get to collect extra data on the people they insure. Data brokers are enriching their databases with even more sensitive data.
0: Just wait until you start getting your online therapy in Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse. (laughs) Do you know what assets are connected to your network? Most organizations don't. For your security program to be effective, you need an inventory of all your devices so you can make critical decisions fast. Well, Rumble was made by the creator of Metasploit, which explains why it finds many devices that other solutions miss, including orphaned machines running outdated operating systems. Quickly find systems affected by the latest security news. Just think of Log4j, SolarWinds and Kaspersky. It can even tell you which machines are missing endpoint protection from your local network all the way to the cloud. Sign up for a free trial and build your asset inventory in minutes. Get your trial at rumble.run. That's rumble.run, and thanks to Rumble for supporting the show.
1: So we all know that users these days sometimes have to connect from an unsecured network using any device they have at hand, and companies have no control over the device, applications, clouds, and the infrastructure that connects it all together. This rapid shift in online work created security gaps that bad actors use to the full. And most importantly, companies need to emphasize the reduction of risk of a data breach if a user's credentials are stolen. This is why you need to check out Good Access. This is a global company based in the Czech Republic with a proven 10-year track record. They are a bunch of security enthusiasts dedicated to delivering anytime, anywhere secure remote access for small and medium-sized businesses worldwide. And this begins with a free Good Access starter product for unlimited usage by up to 100 employees. Yes, you heard right, 100 employees. Learn more at smashingsecurity.com forward slash Good Access. And big thank yous to Good Access for sponsoring the show.
0: Collide sends employees important, timely, and relevant security recommendations for their Linux Mac, and Windows devices right inside Slack. Collide is perfect for organizations that care deeply about compliance and security, but don't want to get there by locking down devices to the point where they become unusable. So instead of frustrating your employees, Collide educates them about security and device management while directing them to fix important problems. Sign up today by visiting Smashinsecurity.com slash collide that's smashingsecurity.com slash K-O-L-I-D-E enter your email when prompted and you will receive a free Collide goodie bag after your trial activates you can try Collide with all of its features on an unlimited number of devices for free no credit card required try it out at Smashinsecurity.com slash collide that's smashingsecurity.com slash K-O-L-I-D-E I-D-E and thanks to Collide for supporting the show and welcome back and you join us at our favourite part of the show the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week Pick of the Week Pick of the Week Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone should say on the like could be a funny story a book that they've read a TV show a movie a record a podcast a website or an app whatever they wish it doesn't have to be security related necessarily better not be well, my pick of the week this week is not security related. Good. I've been rummaging around on the old Netflix. I thought, look, like, you know, I pay for this every month. Maybe I should watch a few more shows. And I have been watching... A Don't doc- worry, they're not tracking you. <laughs> <laughs> I have been watching a documentary, because I love documentaries, all about Three Mile Island, Meltdown on Three Mile Island, which... For our younger listeners... I don't know
1: anything about that.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, help me. You don't know anything about Three Mile Island? My goodness. Hey, you shouldn't shame me. I was about to say, I was, I was about to say, Carol, for our younger listeners and co-hosts, <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you this was the worst commercial nuclear accident in US history where really? a nuclear reactor began to go a little bit, it's, rather boiled over. Things went a little bit bad and radioactive material was uh, leaked out into the atmosphere and went into a nearby town. It was the American's version, basically, of Chernobyl. Thankfully, not quite as bad, but pretty darn bad. Um, happened in 1979 and the accident occurred just 10 days after a movie called The China Syndrome, which you may have seen with Jack Lemon and Jane Fonda. I think Michael Douglas was in it as well. Um, that came nope. out just ten days earlier. You never seen the China Syndrome. Well, it's basically no. the story of what happened at Three Mile Island, and it came out a week. Well, that and explains half. everything. <laughs> exactly. Jane Jane Fonda must have been behind the leak at Three Mile Island. <laughs> anyway, it, well, it's it's very interesting. Four part documentary, all about what occurred and how catastrophe was, uh, well, at least a larger catastrophe was averted, and the impact on the town as well. So very cheery all round. I find it very interesting. And is there
1: anything that you're going to change in your behaviour should it happen close to your home?
0: Well, yes. What, what I'm, yes. what I'm going to do is not live near a nuclear power plant. Oh, what you do, though. Do. No, I don't. You do. No, I don't. Oh, no, you don't. No, you don't. You don't. Thank That's you true, very you much. <laughs> you're right. Excuse me. So that <laughs> is my pick of the week. Meltdown Three Mile Island on Netflix. Jess, what's your pick of the week?
2: Well, mine is also a TV show, but mm. not a documentary, I don't think. <laughs> but mine is Snow Horses on Apple TV. Have Ooh. either of you
1: watched this? No, I haven't. I haven't. It's I haven't. on my list, though. It is on my list. Oh, it's
2: so good. It's so good. My my parents recommended it. And every time I've spoken to them for the last few weeks, they've said, have you watched the Horses yet? <laughs> <laughs> no, mum and dad, I've not been on the list. Uh, so finally got to watching it at the weekend and watched it all over the weekend. Wow. That's, oh, I
1: love that. That's that how happens. good it was.
2: So good. <laughs> um, and I saw a, a YouTube interview about it and someone described it as James Bond without James Bond. And I thought that was quite wow. a good description. Huh. It's basically about a group of dysfunctional MI5 agents. So an office of agents in, a, in MI5 who have failed or been sidelined for one reason or another. And so they've been put in this unit that is called Slough House. Hmm. <laughs> and I think the line is something like, you know, they're so far from the actual work on MI5 that they oh. might as well be in Slough. <laughs> Love it. Um <laughs>
0: No offense to listeners based in Slough. No offense to Slough at all.
1: And and for listeners that have never heard of Slough, that's just a town outside of London. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If
0: if you haven't heard of Slough, well done.
2: (laughs) Um, It's based on a popular series of books that I've not read, but really want to now, um, by an author called Nick Heron Slough House. And it stars Gary Oldman. He was amazing, obviously. Jack Loudon and Olivia. Yeah. So it's got a great cast. Mm. With Mick Jagger singing the theme tune, because he loved the books so much, he wanted to sing the theme tune. (laughs) Pretty amazing. You haven't read the books, have you? No, I've not read the books. Apparently the books are really good. If the books are anything like the series... Um, which obviously they are, then they must be amazing. It's a great mix, I think quite rare, in that it is very dramatic and tense. And there's some moments, without ruining it, but there's some moments, there's a sort of a theme of the series, that every time these moments are on screen, I feel really sick to my stomach, like really anxious. Oh. But balanced with absolute hilarity and really dark humour And some absolute Laugh Out Loud moments.
1: Hmm. Sounds a bit like my life.
2: (laughs) 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 And one unintentional Laugh Out Loud. And I know that pick of the week is not meant to be security, but there is a hacker character in amongst them all. And Uh there are some inaccuracies. He uses this (laughs) one sentence. You'll know what I'm talking about. They're in a cafe and there is buzzword after buzzword. None of it makes sense if you know at all. Anything about hacking, <laughs> and it that will blow your mind, and that really did make us laugh. Um, but so watch for that, but also watch because it is very gripping, very funny, and it really subverts some stereotypes. Plus,
0: there is a season two coming. Oh,
2: <laughs> Jess,
0: you say I love it. the books are called Slow House, I believe they are. And the series that the TV show is called Slow Horses. I'm wondering. Is it because Mick Jagger, when he sings slow house, <laughs> it, it sounds a bit like slow horses? Is that why they've called the TV show Slow Horses? I
2: mean, I love that theory, but no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no.
0: No. Okay. There's no, another no. All right, There is. Okay. There is.
2: Basically, these dysfunctional agents are described as like the slow horses. Okay. They're, you know... I was part of the Slow Wars for my first horse riding lesson in a couple of decades. That horse didn't move very fast. And oh, is, good pivot. That, good pivot. It's the same as these ancients, basically. <laughs>
0: Here we go again hearing about a riding in the desert on some <laughs> Arabian stallion.
1: Well, great. when I when we got onto this call, you said, Oh, I just uh slipped one in before I could get him on the show. What?
0: <laughs> no, I meant I meant I've been on the exercise bike. That's what I that's what's well, Oh,
2: well now you tell us. <laughs>
0: Crow, what's your pick of the week well i'm carrying off my
1: theme of mental health awareness month because i've been listening to a podcast recommended by my buddy andy who is currently studying psychotherapy Mm -hmm. and she knows i'm a podaholic and she curates a few good therapy ones for me for me to check out and this one called therapy uncensored is one that gets my vote co-hosted by Sue Marriott and Ann Kelly, and they describe it as a candid, unscripted conversation rooted in attachment and relational science. So, Graham, I imagine you're as interested in my pick of the week as you I was into yours. Yeah, yeah, I'm all into that. (laughs) But uh, the idea is that they unpack how to improve (laughs) relationships with others and understand what makes you and those you love emotionally tick. Mm. So this is my Mm -hmm. cup of coffee, my cup of java. You know, if you wanted to learn how to better deal with conflict or improve your compassion, Graham,
0: or whether you want uh, to have a dis- – <laughs> Why would you do that? Just ask. am no, sorry. Right, we'll ahead. have a discussion after the show. You carry on.
1: <laughs> we will have a discussion? Is that right? Okay. Um, Or maybe, you know, on a more serious note, you maybe have had, you know, suffered some trauma or a loved one has, or maybe you have a kid or student that's acting out and you need to figure out a way to calm them and refocus them without aggravating the situation. So basically, whatever your drama, they seem to have something thought-provoking to say about it. I've probably uh, listened to maybe 10 or 12 of the episodes. There's probably 170 there. Wow. And I found all of them super interesting, right? And they they get guests. They call themselves neuro-nerds. Um, and they get guests who specialize on specific areas of certain behaviors and how to deal with them or overcome them. I just like it. I just has a real, a feel of, um, uh, intelligence and usefulness plus plus you don't have to give anyone any sensitive information to listen to the podcast which is a super big bonus so (laughs) this is therapy uncensored uh find it wherever you get your podcast you can also listen on the website um and that is my pick of the week for mental health month
0: marvelous now carol you've been speaking to chris kirsch of rumble this week haven't you
1: Yes, my friend, I hope I can call him that, Chris Gersh. Um, it was a really interesting conversation. They've really thinking about security in a pretty unique way. Check it out. So a treat today, we have Chris Kirsch, the CEO of Rumble.run, a company he co-founded with Metasploit creator H.D. Moore to help companies get visibility into everything connected to the network. Welcome back to Smashing Security, Chris. Thank you very much. Now, we are here to talk effectively about knowing thy network, you know, and a big part of that is asset inventory or what we're connecting to the network at any given time. So it sounds to me pretty straightforward. Is there a problem? Am I missing something?
3: Yeah, so you think that asset inventory is a solved problem, but most companies still use a spreadsheet or at best some home-baked solution. And even when they use a professional solution, often that's called a a CMDB, stands for Configuration Management Database, essentially like a database of all the assets on your network. Mm. Those solutions typically still miss about 10 to 40% of devices on the network.
1: That's a lot.
3: Yeah, and it can be as high as 80. I've seen that too. There are a few reasons for that. It mostly depends on on what technology they're using, but the, the root cause is usually... That there are unmanaged assets uh, that are no longer managed through drift, uh, through reorgs in the, in the company. Nobody's responsible for them anymore, or they've always been unmanaged because they were just some um, employee putting out a rogue router on the network or a rogue machine. Right. Uh, or, or assets that have become unmanaged over time, right?
1: Right, legacy stuff. Like, so you know, that stuff. fax machine's been there forever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for those for those listeners who don't know what a fax machine is. <laughs> Sorry, go on, go on. Yeah.
3: So, um, becomes even worse when you've got things like mergers and acquisitions, right? Mm. Then you've got what I call like digital archaeology, where mm. the the people who originally set up the network are no longer there. Nobody knows that certain subnets exist. You might not have credentials for all of the machines on there. And it gets even worse with operational technology and IoT, because those are typically completely off the radar of the IT team.
1: You know, it's a bit like an attic, right? Like, I think I kind of know what's stored up there, but really... Probably 80% have no idea, right? And it's like, I would say I know, and i am say, like, of course I know where that is. And then it would take yes. me three days to find it. <laughs> So there's solutions out there to help you figure all this out. Why are they having a trouble discovering these devices?
3: You know, m- most of the other solutions take very much an IT mindset to the problem. And they're saying, well, if there's a device on the network, then surely I have the ability to log onto it or to install software on it. So mm. they either deploy agents or they use something called an authenticated scan, which is basically connecting to the device, logging in with username and password, and then interrogating the device on 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 what it is. and mm. uh, so vulnerability scanners, for example, are a, a good uh, case for that where they try to log onto every device and they they do a reasonable job. But there are two things. Number one, if they can't authenticate to a device. Because it's unmanaged, or maybe it's like a Polycom phone, or it's a right some kind of HVAC system or something like that, right? Or, or a developer box that was set up in the corner for testing that's not on the, the active directory, right? Yeah. So, those kind of things they really struggle with. And things like vulnerability scanners don't collect the right information for asset inventory. Something might be a, an IP camera or something. And they will only tell you, oh, it's Linux 2618, something very generic that actually doesn't help you very much in figuring out what something is. Huh. Right. right. Is. Okay. So one good example for that is uh, we, we did a project with a luxury retailer, you know, the the kind of stuff that you and I maybe want to buy but can't afford And uh, so they had a a global retail network, different brands and so on, um, very fragmented because they'd acquired a lot of different fashion houses over the years. And so we did a bake-off against a major IT service management vendor. And Um, that means what, a bake-off? A a bake-off means, you know, like they tried Rumble versus the other product. Right, right. And when they were scanning, uh, especially for their Asian operations, which had a lot of uh, lack of visibility, M&A, uh, different fiefdoms, IT fiefdoms. You know, uh, We found mm-hmm. two and a half times as many devices on that network. And the reason for that was that they just didn't have a lot of the credentials and they were also missing network segments. There were some network segments that didn't even know they had, so they weren't scanning them.
1: So you're looking for these things in a different way, right? So you must have something unique that you're doing are you allowed to tell us or is it all secret secret <laughs> yeah I, I, i'm i'm happy to
3: tell you just just a little bit I, i'm I'm just going to give you a peek behind the curtain so okay good <laughs> in a nutshell um the, uh, the the reason our solution is that good is really uh, thanks to my my co-founder uh, his name is hd moore and he's uh-huh. the creator of metasploit uh, metasploit is an open source network penetration testing tool and mm-hmm. so um, w- when you think about it, a penetration tester is dropped onto a network, either from the outside looking in or on the inside and trying to figure out what's on the network. And then once they figure out, okay, there's active machines here and there, then they need to fingerprint those machines and figure out what they are before they attack them. Because if you don't know what it is, you can't attack it, right? And mm-hmm. then Metasploit mm-hmm. goes further. It exploits machines as post-exploitation, all of that stuff. But um HD basically had the idea of applying the early phases of a pen test, the network scanning and the fingerprinting, to IT oh. asset inventory. So he says, like, using something really cool and applying it to the most boring thing on the planet, you know? And um, yeah, so by, by using that approach compared to the IT-focused approach of logging onto machines, uh, you find all the orphaned and rogue devices and all the weird stuff on your network. And that's not just the case for IT. But it's also the case for OT, so operational technology, IoT, manufacturing, hospitals, you know, like all of that stuff. Um,
1: Wow. So I'd say I did this, I ran this, and I found, you know, I don't know, this plethora of devices Mm -hmm. connected to my network What do I do then? Like I, you're giving me visibility or are you giving me tools to try and go and look at them as well?
3: Yeah. So, uh, typically what you do uh, depends on who you are. Like we have different types of users using that data and it's really quite interesting. So, uh, four different types of users. The first one is the enterprise security team. So they use it for situational awareness. They want to know, um, you know, that most of them scan internally trying to figure out what do I actually have behind the firewall? Some of them mm. also take an external perspective, looking in and saying what is actually exposed outside from the from the internet that attackers might be able to see from the outside. And then once they have that situational awareness, they can use yeah. uh, Rumble in many cases for what I call rapid response for breaking security news. you know like they they listen to uh, to smashing security and they hear about things like, Log4j and SolarWinds and like, hey, we shouldn't use Kaspersky anymore and all of those things. So Mm -hmm. how do you find those things on the network? And so with Rumble, we really uh, do things differently because we decouple the scan from the assessment. We scan your network and we collect a bunch of stuff. And then uh, at the moment when you actually need to know a specific thing, then you can say, show me all of the things that are X, Right. So for Log4j, ah. we might find you all of the applications that um, include Log4j. Solar Winds boxes we can fingerprint through certain through certain attributes, and we can even uh, fingerprint uh, Windows devices that are running Kaspersky uh, without authentication over the network. So it it goes a lot deeper than most people expect for an unauthenticated uh, scan. Wow. So <laughs> yeah. so that's the enterprise security team, right? But then we have the the second user group is incident response. And in incident response really there are a few other use cases. So uh, people use it both proactively and reactively. Um so proactive would be something like threat hunting. You're you you know that there are a lot of devices getting attacked. Let's say uh, Schneider Electric had some power supplies that had a an, an security issue. So you try to find all of these devices so that you can patch and update them, right? Um, or to see if they were already compromised, for example.
1: Yeah, you're trying to race ahead of the exactly. aden-
3: of potential attack, right? Exactly. And the, the reactive side would be something like you're getting an alert on a certain IP address, but you don't know what's behind that IP address. So um is it my domain controller is it an ip camera and so on is it a maybe an access badge uh door controller kind of thing um so rumble gives you that context you you can for example give it an ip address and it gives you gives you that and then you can also say show me all other things that look like that so you can go hunting right yeah yeah so, so You're giving
1: people the tools to go and find exactly. all the little critters exactly. in their network.
3: Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so you can either use Rumble directly or you can import it into your uh, Splunk uh, environment and, and use it there. Hmm. Uh, now we have the blue team covered, right? Now the, the red mm-hmm. team. So the penetration testers love it because it really helps them with their reconnaissance phase. It uh, provides you a lot more depth than some of the other open source uh, tools, and it provides you a very... Good user interface to pivot into information. So you can look, for example, for we have something called like an an outlier uh, index where you can filter for devices that are weird and different from the other ones. You can look for devices that are not on the Active Directory because they're probably not patched, right? And we can even find you devices that are multi homed, so that have two network cards and that allow you to jump from one network segment into the other as a pivot point. We can do that even when we only scan one of the interfaces because a lot of the devices are leaking their secondary interfaces.
1: I bet you pen testers that are listening out there are now downloading fast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, and group four, group four.
3: Group four, okay. So group four is IT teams. So now we're outside of the security realm. And so uh, those folks typically have a CMDB or or are looking to, to get a CMDB, but they're really having trouble getting the right data into it, getting clean data, getting comprehensive data. Yes. Uh, They can pull rumble data into ServiceNow. That's a very common one. GRS Service Management is uh, one that's uh, up and coming. And uh, that enables them to, number one, have a fuller view of what they actually have on the network. They can look for operating systems and devices that are end of life, that are no longer patchable and so on. And so um, you, you think that given our history, Uh, We would only sell into security, but actually our largest deal was with a telco provider that purely uses it for that use case. (laughs) And so we cover all of the industries really across the board from anything from brick and mortar retail to cloud hosting providers.
1: Now, tell me, listeners are listening to this and they're going, look, can I have a play around with this? I just want to see what's connected to my network. What do you say to that, Chris? Sure, absolutely.
3: So they can do that. Uh, and quite frankly, I'm, I'm making some bold claims here. And most people don't really believe that you can do that with an unauthenticated scan until you try it out. And by the way, we then also augment that with um API integrations to cloud hosting providers with integrations with, let's say, CrowdStrike and Sentinel 1, where you can figure out, am, are any of my endpoints missing endpoint protection, for example? That's a huge use case, right? So, so if you would like to try any of that out, uh, please go to rumble.run. There is a 21-day trial, fully featured. You can go up to 50,000 devices. You can go wild if you want to. Um, just register and go. Um, Some people start out just with their home network. It's uh, the easiest way to do it because it's a small network. It's uh, somewhere where you don't need to ask others for permission. They get comfortable with that, see the quality of the scan, and then they bring it to work. That's what we see quite often. And um, if you'd started a trial at the beginning of this interview, you may already be done scanning your home network because it's really quick and easy to get started and to scan the network and then to view your devices. And if you uh, are not in IT or security as a job, or you just want to use this at home, we also have a free edition for up to uh, 256 devices. And uh, you can do that either use that for free at home, or even in a small business, you can use it commercially. So that's fine as well.
1: So what happens if you're not technically au fait, like some of our listeners may not be, and they want to try this out? Will they be able to get comprehensible information, even if they're not very techie?
3: Yeah, what most people find is, uh, let's say uh, somebody who's not as technical in scanning a home network, most people scan their network and they're quite surprised what they find because they thought like, oh, I know what's on my home network. It's not that big. It's not that complicated. And then they figure out like, oh, yeah, that thing. I put that in like five years ago. I didn't even remember that. And, and that thing. Oh, yeah. Like m- my daughter added that. I didn't know that was connected and so on. So um, it's quite eye-opening mm-hmm. just to see what's connected. Of course, if you want to dive in deeper and do some of the more funky stuff, that requires a little bit more technical expertise but uh, we we see just you know tech enthusiasts and, and private people using it as well up to you know very large enterprises
1: chris thank you so much this is chris kirsch ceo of rumble.run is there anything you'd like to add no just head over to rumble.run
3: uh, give the product a try and thanks a lot for having me
1: listeners you heard chris run to rumble.run so that you can see what devices are connected to your network. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show. Okay. You can say thanks if you want. You can say like yeah. (laughs) I didn't know how you wanted to cover it.
0: (laughs) You can respond. (laughs) And that just about wraps up the show for this week. Jess, I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online. What's the best way for folks to do that?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Dr Jessica Barker and check out sygenta.co.uk to see what we're all about.
0: Marvellous. And you can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity, no G. Twitter and the G. And we also have a Smash Insecurity subreddit. And don't forget to ensure you never miss another episode. Follow Smashing Security in your favourite podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts.
1: And again, massive thank you to our episode sponsors, Collide, Good Access, and Rumble, and to our wonderful Patreon communities. Thanks to them all, this show is free. And for episode show notes, sponsorship information, guest lists, and the entire back catalogue
0: of more than 275 episodes,
1: check out smashingsecurity.com.
0: Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye Bye-bye. question, though. What? What's your problem with slough?
0: Slough?
1: I have very good friends who live in slough.
0: What's your problem with slough? Do you? It's just the word. It's a bit like stains. Slough looks oh, okay. like... Okay, I'll just hang up the phone now. Slough looks like slough. And yeah. stains just makes me think of dirty underpants. Yet again, a very reasonable explanation. <laughs>